Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today, a little bit from the Old Testament lesson, a little bit from the Gospel reading. Speaking of Hannah, we read, She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And Mary, shortly after learning uh, that she was to bear the Savior, said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. This is our text. So I began working on this sermon a few weeks ago, and immediately found myself on the horns of a dilemma. It's an interesting expression, isn't it? One that I don't think I've used for years, actually, but uh, it, uh, it seems very appropriate today. Here was the dilemma. Two of my most favorite Sundays in the whole year fall on the same day this year. Good Shepherd Sunday on the church calendar and Mother's Day on the Hallmark calendar. (laughs) I went back and forth trying to figure out, so, so where should the focus be on this special day? Finally, I decided to take the easy way out and and talk about both of them. We'll see how that works. Sometimes what sounds good in theory doesn't always work out so well in practice. But I'm a highly trained professional with with years of experience. So so while I'm going to warn the kids not to try this at home, here goes. And actually, it's not a hard connection to make, is it? In several ways, the the two are a very natural fit. Our good shepherd cares for his sheep with the same kind of tender concern that a loving mother has for her children. That includes an intense desire to protect her children, think Mama Bear, as well as uh, an unwavering willingness to sacrifice for her children. Now the parallels to our good shepherd are very obvious. So let's begin by stating that besides the love of our good shepherd, there's nothing that is more certain, more dependable than a mother's love for her children. You can see the love in in the eyes of a mother as, as she gazes adoringly at her infant child. As she watches her daughter in a recital or dancing with our girls of grace. You can see the the pride in her smile as, as she watches her daughter walk down the aisle on her wedding day. Or as she sees her son in the uniform of the country in whose service he has enlisted. You can see the joy in her heart as her children recognize the the sacrifices that she has willingly made for them and and respond with a hug, a word of thanks, the special trip home for Mother's Day. Well, indeed, motherhood is a high calling from God. In our sermon today, I, I want to consider two women who had not yet experienced that calling 
but who would very shortly. It's an interesting comparison. I invite you to follow along in your sermon outline where that's, uh, I think, kind of spelled out pretty clearly for us. We have two women in very different circumstances. One who more than anything wanted to have a baby and another for whom that had been the farthest thing from her mind. Yet both of them must have felt a sense of shame over their circumstances, but for entirely different reasons. Hannah at being without children and Mary at being with child. I'm not saying that they should have felt shame. Not at all. They hadn't done anything to bring that upon themselves. In fact, if you, if you take a look at the strict definition of the word, well, shame is a painful feeling of humiliation and distress that's caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Hannah hadn't done anything wrong or foolish, neither had Mary. And yet in their culture at that time, it would have been at least next to impossible to have escaped shame. For Hannah, the shame at at being without children, many people in those days thought that that was a clear sign that God was angry with the woman, that this was some kind of punishment for something. Add to that the fact that Hannah's husband Elkanah had two wives and his other wife had plenty of kids, a point that uh, she was all too happy to uh, irritate and torment Hannah with. To his credit, mostly, Elkanah tried to help, although he was pretty awkward about it. Um, Well, he did one thing right anyway, that he he showered some gifts on on Hannah to, to, to try to help to comfort her in her distress. But then he made the kind of mistake that only a husband can make as he tried to, to comfort her by saying, well, honey, you have me. What more do you need? That's almost his exact words. Here's what he said. Am I not more to you than ten sons? I'm sure glad I'm not the only one who says dumb things sometimes. Today, fortunately, there's no shame in being childless, as, as we know that there are all kinds of medical reasons for that. And it, yet it is still an intensely personal matter, private, one which can cause deep sadness, especially on a day like Mother's Day. And that's, that's true for those who have never had a child, as well as for those who have lost a child, either before birth or after At the other end of the spectrum, we have Mary and her shame at being with child. Again, nothing that that she had done. Of course, who would have believed her if she had told them this was nothing that I have done? And especially in those days, to be with child and without a husband, well, there wasn't much worse that could happen to a woman. This whole idea of of shame is a bit foreign to us, I know, because in our Western culture, shame has, has never been 
felt or hasn't been as much of a culture of the culture, at least not nearly to the same degree that that it was and and really still is in the lands of the Bible. In fact, shame seems almost to have disappeared completely from our culture. In some ways, that's good. In other ways, not so much. Well, it's good when people do not let others determine what the bar is for feeling shame. It's not good at all when we fail to let God do that. When we, and notice I'm saying we, not they, when we ignore and maybe even abandon what God tells us in his word is right or wrong. And we do that to our own peril. With our relationship with God. Sometimes when we do that, we, we hurt others and can even damage their relationship with God and their faith. None of that is good. And none of that is a good response to something that's very good. The good thing that our good shepherd has done is he took upon himself the shame of our sins so that we don't have to be ashamed or afraid to come into the presence of our holy, heavenly Father. Well, that's all kind of a a long introduction. That's the before the story. Let's take a quick look now at the story as it's presented in our scripture readings today. As as we see the prayers of two mothers, or at least mothers-to-be, first of all, Hannah. Her, Her prayer took the form of pleading with the Lord. And actually, it became bargaining with him. If you give me a son, then I will give him back to you, is what what Hannah said. Now, I'm not recommending that as the ideal approach to prayer, but but apparently the Lord is also not um, saying never to do that, because Hannah did it. It's recorded for us, and and the Lord heard her prayer and, and answered it. We certainly can hear her prayer as an indication of the anguish that that she felt over her childlessness. Her her prayer was certainly heartfelt. It was also heartbreaking in a way that only someone in similar circumstances would truly be able to understand. And in contrast to Hannah's prayer of pleading, which was certainly appropriate, stands Mary's prayer of praise. A prayer that, at least for me, is is both surprising when we consider her circumstances and the fact that she knew what kind of shame she would have to endure when her condition became public knowledge in that tiny village of Nazareth where literally everybody knew everybody else's business. It's a surprise to me that, that Mary could praise the Lord for this. But it's not only surprising, it's also inspiring. Come back to that in just a second. But but first, it's also a reminder of what happened with our good shepherd. That when Mary's son grew up 30-some years later, he also spoke a prayer of, of submission 
to God's will and God's plan, which really is what Mary's prayer in our gospel reading was. As our Savior, the night before he was to be crucified, was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We reviewed that just a few weeks ago, didn't we, during the Lenten season. As Jesus placed himself under, that's what submit means, as Jesus placed himself under the, the will and the plan of his Father for our sake. Not surprising that he did that, but as the case is with his mother, certainly inspiring, which makes me ask the question, can that be our prayer too? Even in circumstances that we would never have chosen for ourselves. Suppose you're a mom with a wayward child or a child with an unloving mom or someone whose prayer to be able to have children has gone unanswered. What then? How can there be a a prayer of, of praise as well as pleading in that case? At the risk of oversimplifying it, because I know this is none of these are, are simple situations or, or any that you experience, and yet we do have an answer to that question, and, and that answer is our Good Shepherd. As he invites us to, to nestle in to his arms, to allow him to carry us through those hard times in our lives. It might be helpful for us also to consider how all of this turned out for Hannah and Mary. That that doesn't mean that it would turn out exactly the same way in every situation for us. But but we can look at the rest of the story. Their answered prayers. So for Hannah, she uh, becomes pregnant, bears a son, and dedicates him to the Lord. Unlike many bargains that people try to make with God, this one was kept. But at what price for Hannah? How difficult it must have been for her to dedicate her son, this is her only son at the time, to the Lord. And yet we can be glad she did because Samuel went on to be a a key figure in the history of God's Old Testament people. Then almost as a footnote, we're we're told a little bit later on that the Lord uh, then blessed Hannah and Elkanah too, of course, with five more children, two daughters and three sons. Similarly to Hannah, Mary went on to bear a son and also to dedicate him to the Lord in a different way than Hannah did, but, but similarly indeed. And how difficult that must have been for Mary to do. Yet, look what happened as a result. Mary's son, our good shepherd, grew up to become the the sacrificial lamb who gave his life for the sheep. And while dying for all people, on the cross, Jesus took special note of one person, his mother, Mary. And provided for her by appointing John to take care of her. And then, of course, we know that even as, as Mary had talked about in our, in our gospel reading, her name 
has been honored throughout the generations by people in in nations around the world. And that's true in our day. In our day, we continue to honor Mary, the mother of our good shepherd. And on this day, we honor all moms, especially thanking God for Christian mothers who have dedicated themselves to the task of raising their children to know and to love the Savior. Mothers who like Hannah and Mary, also have a prayer to their Lord. That prayer is that their children will always know him. So how do we honor moms? I think the best way to do that is by doing what they are praying for, remaining in the arms of our good shepherd, where we are close to his heart and safe in his love. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.